we congratulate you on completing the marathon. All these workshop sessions, uh, being here at 4 o'clock on Sunday, uh, fantastic. Great. That, that will give you a wonderful start to school class. Is that me, Pastor Levine? Is that me? Is that me? That will give you a wonderful start because teaching class week after week, month after month, ministering to people, it takes its toll. It takes it out of you. And I, I, I taught the children this morning, you know, we need God's strength. That's where our power source is. And, and I'm telling you, if you can make it through being faithful to workshops, great start to being faithful to the people in your Sunday school class. So let me commend you on that. Um, really quick, my background for the past decade or so is Christian school and administration. And uh, I've been blessed with the privilege of teaching the Bible each week to adults or teenagers or children or young adults. Um, but even with that experience, 10, 15 years experience, week after week, I've felt at times unqualified to teach. I felt underprepared to present. I've felt or I've been at the point where I've been unable to purchase things to help my class. I just couldn't do it. And we've faced some lean times, my family and I, um, but still trying to figure out how we could care for every individual in our class, even though personally we had some cares, some needs that weren't being cared for adequately. Have you ever been there? Have you, have you felt that way where, ah, I just, I, I feel like I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough this. And this, this session, this Sunday school on a shoestring is to speak to you, not when you're up on the mountain that we just sang about, not when you're up on the mountaintop, but when you're down in the valley and you're about at that time where I just don't think I can go on. I want to use this time, let me, let me tell you, in the past, any time that God has given me, whether it's a shoestring, five loaves and two fishes, whatever it is, what I've had to do is just be faithful to give that back to God and let him bless. And he has, because he's faithful. And so that's, that's the concept that I want to go over in this Sunday school on a shoestring. What is it that's the shoestring in, in your life? Maybe, uh, for example, the phrase, a shoestring budget. Raise your hand if you've heard of a shoestring budget before. Okay, so that represents a lack of funds in a budget, right? I want to apply that term shoestring to your Sunday school class. And it, and it may be a lack of resources in knowledge. It may be a lack of resources in charisma. Uh, it may be a lack of resources in kindness or tact or something. Whatever it is that you perceive that you have a lack in. Or maybe it's not even perception. Maybe it's something real. And I want to use this time, my hope is to give you some practical ways to overcome our lack of resources. Uh, and, and why? Why do we do that? So that we can remain faithful. You've been faithful to the workshops. Be faithful to teaching, leading, and loving those people that are in our Sunday school classes. So point number one, if you've got your outline there, point number one, shoestring knowledge. Let's look first at shoestring knowledge. Pastor Lejeune has told me over and over that this church has a lot of Bible knowledge. 
So, congratulations. <laughs> Me and Pastor Morales, we don't, you know. So, uh, but maybe, maybe you don't have formal Bible education. Or maybe you have the Bible knowledge, but not a lot of upfront public speaking teaching experience relating to people. Uh, maybe you don't fit into either of those categories and you're like me. Lack of formal Bible education, and you don't like to speak in front of people. So, if you have a lack of knowledge, don't fret. You can still lead your Sunday school class. What are some practical ways to overcome a lack of Bible knowledge, or hermeneutics, or knowledge of public speaking? Underneath number one on our outlines, please fill in letter A, Realize that Sunday school is not all about you. Realize that Sunday school is not all about you. Now, wait a second. Brother Justin, wait a second. We've just been hearing the whole time, ownership, you've got to own it. That's right, you do. It's your Sunday school class. If it's, if it's got to be, it's up to me. Yeah, that's still true. What I'm talking about is this. Sunday school is not about our brilliance. It's not about our clothes. It's not about our swagger, our talents, our, our gifts. It's not about that. Sunday school is about connecting people in a greater way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sunday school is also about the word of God getting to people. It's not all about us. We can see those goals accomplished with or without brilliance, with or without fancy clothes. Uh, it was a great day when I realized that my Sunday school class was not all about me, but it was about connecting people with the Savior. If we think that our shoestring knowledge prevents us from teaching Sunday school, we are thinking too much about ourselves. Realize that Sunday school is not all about you. Letter B, use sincerity to cover a multitude of knowledge mistakes. Use sincerity to cover a multitude of knowledge Mistakes. Now, by sincerity, I don't mean believing in what you're saying. I'm being passionate about it. I'm convincing myself this is true, that John the Baptist wrote five books of the Bible. Okay, and I made that mistake one time. <laughs> but rather, sincerity as in without pretense, without deceit. I'm just trying to honestly share what this word has for you. That's all I'm doing. Teach sincerely. It's been said over and over, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Our classes will be forgiving of the mistakes that we make if we are being genuine in how we present, if we're being sincere in our presentation. I I found that to be true when I was speaking Spanish to uh, native Hispanic adults as a native English speaker and messing up (laughs) week after week after week. I found it to be true when I was trying to speak philosophy to Virginia Tech students in Blacksburg, um, even though I had majored in math. Uh, I find it to be true anytime I speak with children. Children are so forgiving. They're, they're so forgiving. They're great to speak with. Very forgiving on the whole. Be sincere in your teaching and leading, and people will learn and grow. Ultimately, they're not there for, again, our talents. Our abilities, they're there for the word of God and getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're there for. So be sincere in your teaching and leading. We will need to apologize if or when we make a mistake. That's part of sincerity. 
The Lord in Matthew 25 did not say, well done to his servants for being knowledge perfect, but simply, well done, thou good and, what? Faithful servant. Matthew 25. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Yeah. Use sincerity. Letter C. Uh, how can we overcome shoestring knowledge? Letter A, realize Sunday school is not all about you. B, use sincerity to cover mistakes. C, teach people what you do know. Teach people what you do know. If you're concerned about your, your level of Bible knowledge, teach people what you do know. You know that Jesus saves. Well, harp on that for a month. That's a great topic. Not teach people what we do best, for it's not all about us. Focus not on what we do not know, but teach people what we do know. Uh, we don't have to have, and you've heard this, we don't have to have the entire Bible memorized to teach a Sunday school class, whether it's children or adults. It doesn't take a Ph.D. in theology to teach a Sunday school class. Uh, teach what you know already. Uh, and, and keep this in mind, I want to help you mentally with the perspective, because like I said, Sunday school, it's a marathon. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday, Pastor Lejeune and Pastor Morales and I, and we were saying, man, there's been so much good information. Man, there's been so much good information. And I don't want you to get discouraged. We don't want you to get discouraged because you weren't able to implement everything on that first day or that first month. And some of the things that we'll be sharing later on, the, the uh, report and the Q&A, that took years to work on and develop. So, again, uh, Sunday school is not all about us. And, and give, yourself, give yourself some slack on that. Give yourself some slack. Let me, let me give you something with the concept. Immature people make fun of what a person does not know. Immature people make fun of what a person does not know. Mature people, they do not care how much a person does not know. Why? Because they have a desire to learn from what a person does know. It doesn't matter what you don't know. They want to hear what you do know and glean from it and learn from it. They're there to hear the truths. That's what they're there for. Proverbs 9.9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So don't let the immature people, uh, if you have a, if you just have a, if you're feeling very insecure, very strange when you're up there teaching, maybe the first time, first few weeks, don't let that get you down. Don't let immature people get you down. The mature people are there to gain from you. And the immature people will grow if they listen. Sunday school is not all about us. It's not about what we don't know. And if we can be faithful, be sincere, be real, then we're on our way to overcoming shoestring knowledge. Lastly, letter D. With that thought, allow others to teach you. Allow others to teach you. I had to learn how many books of the Bible the Apostle John wrote. Allow others to teach you. Teach what we've learned, but keep learning. Uh, continue studying. If Pastor Lejeune says, get this book, get this book, and read it. <laughs> Don't just get the book, but, but read it, study it. See, see what you can glean from that. Um, let every man be your teacher. What can you learn? You're going to learn a lot being in your Sunday school class and leading your Sunday school class. 
you're going to learn a lot from your own study. And allow the people in our Sunday school classes, allow them to teach us. Uh, For example, very practically, if you happen to have a problem reading long passages of Scripture, ask those that can in your class to stand up and read a few of the verses. Uh, Not only have we then overcome that hurdle of reading long passages or difficult passages, but we've also matured our class members that way. We've gotten them more engaged, more involved in the Word of God and in speaking in front of people. You may be on your way to duplicating yourself with somebody who can speak well, too. Give simple short verses to those that are less experienced. Maybe you're great, pardon me, maybe you're great at speaking the Word of God. Maybe you're great at public speaking, but you may just give that as a tool to help your class out. Hey, Brother Jim, can you read such and such verse? Hey, Miss Susie, can you read this verse for us? Whatever the case may be. We can overcome shoestring knowledge by using the knowledge and the resources that God has already given all around us. Realize Sunday school is not all about us. Use sincerity, teach people what you do know, and then grow by letting them teach you. Next, let's look at uh, point number two, overcoming shoestring time. So short on knowledge, short on time. Mm, Shoestring time. Letter A underneath of number two. Be people-focused, not self-focused. Short on time, be people-focused, not self-focused. The Lord Jesus said in Mark 12, 30 through 31, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Realize that Sunday school is not all about us. Everybody, everybody taking a breath. Everybody inhale and exhale. It's, it's not all about us. Okay? You, you may be super amped up with all this stuff that's happened. And if you fizzle out after a month or two, you've done your church, your pastor, the people of this community, no good. Okay? I know it sounds familiar, but I'm repeating that because it's the most important. You've got to realize that we're getting people to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we think Sunday school is about us, eventually something will make us discouraged, and then we'll give up. We'll make excuses. We'll stop. Most people give up teaching because of a lack of time, not a lack of knowledge, not a lack of charm, not a lack of ability, not a lack of money. Uh, Sunday school is about connecting people to God through the Lord Jesus. We must be people-focused. That's true with any ministry. We have to care about people. Love and care for God and people, Mark 12. There's nothing greater according to Jesus. Many people think they're busy, and in fact, busier than everyone else around them that they know. Regardless of who is the busiest, God wants us to take our shoestring time and use it to help people. Letter A, be people-focused, not self-focused. Letter B, if you use a pre-made Sunday school curriculum, make it your own. Make it your own. And if you could, underline, bold, circle those last four words. Make it your own. Disclaimer, of course, check with Pastor Lejeune before purchasing or using any pre-made Sunday school curriculum. 
And you may think, well, using curriculum, that's for people that have a lack of Bible knowledge. True, could be, but it could also be for those that have a lack of time. When we're on shoestring time and we simply cannot find anywhere the hours to put into creating fantastic lessons with heart-squeezing illustrations, then we might want to consider using a curriculum. A curriculum already has the lesson formulated for us. If you do go that route, be sure to tailor the curriculum to your own presentation. Tailor the message to the needs of your people. Uh, in Spanish Sunday school when I first started out and was relearning Spanish, I started by typing up a lesson. I mean, this was early on. Typing up a lesson from a book by a pastor, giving that to the person who happened to be Brother Pedro Pastor Morales' mother, who would then write in Spanish over top of those words what the lesson was, and then I would stand up, and then I would read what that lesson said. Oh, my goodness. Poor people under me. Praise the Lord for their patience and their long-suffering. But they stayed with it. After a little bit, then I would type that up, and I ran it through a machine, a computer translator, you know, like Google Translate, and then either... Either the lady, uh, Brother Pedro's mom would fix it or I would fix it. Later after that, I started to write it myself in English. And then I translated it myself. And then later, I wrote the whole thing in Spanish. But before then, I couldn't have even stood up there if I didn't have a curriculum. Even from the start, I would go through and I would look through what that lady translated for me. I would say, I don't want to say that. That's not what I'm trying to say here. No, 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 no. So make it your own. Uh, A couple of points under that. First, do not read your entire lesson. And if you can get that, please, do not read your entire lesson. And second, underneath of that, I don't know if you have space there or not, but this this is big. Cause hearts to burn, not heartburn. There's a difference there. Do not read your entire lesson. It may seem obvious. Cause hearts to burn, not heartburn. When one reads a lesson from a curriculum, uh, basically it's the same as being an audiobook. You know, and, and people could just say, well, I could go to so-and-so's class and just order the audiobook and listen to it on my own time. We should not cause heartburn by making our people suffer through our reading of an entire lesson like I had to do at first, like I did. Poor me and poor those people. Uh, I'm not against using curriculum. I'm not. But for the sake of the people there, make it your own. As we're praying over and through our lessons, we should ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. What do we, what, God, what do you want me to emphasize? What do you want me to expound to my class? And this is true whether you've got a curriculum or not. We've got to present our lessons so that they're exciting, they're engaging. And we, we do that by making it our own. Let me give you a good Bible illustration of this. Turn to Luke chapter 24, please, if you've got your Bible with you. Luke 24. Jesus speaking to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus could have merely read the scriptures back to them. But instead, he took time to explain what was written. Instead of causing heartburn in the people listening to a written message verbatim out of the scriptures, Jesus calls the hearts 
of the two disciples to burn. And that's what we should want for our classes too. Luke 24, uh, look at verse 27, please. Let me get there also. Luke 24, 27. The Bible says there, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus used a curriculum. (gasps) He used the scriptures. But Jesus also made the curriculum his own. The Bible says that Jesus expounded or interpreted the scriptures when he spoke to the two disciples on the road. Look at verse 31, same chapter. The Bible says, and their eyes were opened. Now, really quick, we understand they were walking along a road, so they already had their eyes open. So we're not talking literally here. We're talking figuratively. Something has been illuminated. Truth has been opened to them. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Verse 32, and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Jesus opened their understanding. That word, it's the same Greek word used in verse 32. Open their eyes, open to us the scriptures. Jesus translated the scriptures for them. He gave them understanding of the scriptures. He didn't merely read the scriptures to them. When it comes to Sunday school, don't just read the scriptures. Give your class the understanding of the scriptures. Cause hearts to burn. Make it exciting in there. Make it as exciting as it's been here with Pastor Montour and Pastor Morales for the past few days. Create a desire for the word within our classes. If you decide to use a curriculum, no problem. Just don't read it. Make it your own. Put yourself into it. Open the understanding of the curriculum. Uh, I remember teaching Carrie Schmidt's um, Discover Your Destiny. Great series. Um, great series. Taught it to the young adults in our, in our church. And I totally revamped his lessons. I was telling Pastor Levine, I was saying, yeah, some of those, I would look at his chapter and I would say, that's really good, but I'm not saying it that way. And I... I need about three lessons to say that. So I took three lessons to say that. Other ones, I combined two chapters into one. I, I, I made it my own. Not to say that I'm great. I'm just saying that was super effective. Great curriculum, but you have to tailor it. I was in another class in a, in a previous ministry that had a study school curriculum, and it was straight from what was there. And people notice. I didn't notice until later. My wife, being more perceptive than me, noticed right away. There, there wasn't much study done. There just wasn't. And, and it made a difference. In fact, it made a difference in the people. They didn't grow. And that class ended up falling apart. So it's okay to use a curriculum, but you've got to make it your own. Letter C, lastly. Be people-focused, not self-focused, if you're on shoestring time. If you use a curriculum, make it your own. Own it. And then C, follow up however you can. Follow up however you can. If you've got an elaborate follow-up process, fantastic. If you decide, I'm going to cut that out for a month, not fantastic. You've got to keep following up with people. Realize that every little effort, hey, every little effort that we make is seen by God. And it's appreciated by the people that receive it. Um, If we've got an abundant amount of time, 
man, we should follow up with our class members, even the ones that are there, every week, some little touch, something. If we have shoestring time, we may have to make some adjustments to that plan. So underneath of letter C on your outline, let me give you a spectrum regarding follow-up. So uh, little number one, Roman numeral one, visit. I think some of these are filled in, too, on your outlines. Two, phone call. So this is starting out as personal and time-consuming all the way down to impersonal time-saving. Three, card. Cards are generally more effective to send to women than to men. Generally more effective. Uh, Four, voicemail. Five, email. Six, text. A 15-second text can brighten someone's day for 24 hours. Do I think, do I think, Brother Justin, are you saying that all I should do is text all the time? Because, man, I can, I can send a text to somebody every single day and i got everybody coming. No. But if, if you're thinking, yeah, I've been praying for that person. That, you know, the Lord just brought that person to my mind. Send them a text. Who knows what they were going through? You may have just made their day. And then lastly, prayer. Prayer is an unlimited resource. People don't think of prayer as follow-up very much. I mean, it should be intertwined in everything we do in ministry, but it's a great follow-up process. It's unlimited. You're getting God to do the follow-up. It's not a matter of whether we're going to follow up, but a matter of how we're going to follow up. You must follow up. We have to follow up. We must keep accountability with the people that come. Our people need encouragement. Your pastor needs help. Your pastor cannot, as, as has been explained, he can't visit 100 people every week. We could take 10 teachers and visit 10 people each in one week and cover those 100. That's doable. I heard a statistic recently that clinical depression is at one out of every three people. It is heading towards one out of every two quickly. Bottom line is people need to know God's love. And you are the ones that God wants to use in this community to do that. He wants to use me and some other people in Blacksburg. When we feel like we have a lack of time, hey, caring for somebody else is a great way to use that little piece of time that we have. Following up with our class members makes a difference, even on shoestring time. Be people-focused, not self-focused. If you use a curriculum, make it your own. And follow up with your class however you can. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Keep going. Keep following up. Uh, point number three. Let's see if he's put it up here. Raise your hand if you'd like to guess the third one. Yeah, now you know because it's up there. <laughs> shoestring budget. Hey, that's the phrase, shoestring budget. Shoestring budget. Uh, There are times where uh, visionaries get big dreams for their classes, their ministries, and oftentimes those those visions run past the pocketbook. They've run past your own wallet. Uh, I've gotten in trouble several times with 
that with my wife. Uh, Pastor Lejeune mentioned um, us taking him out to Olive Garden. I remember that at Bible Club. And my wife reminds me of that every single year that we did not have the money to take that group of teenagers out to Olive Garden and do that. Sometimes there's a lack of funds. And, and it may prevent us from doing big things. Uh, what kind of big things? Maybe just as simple as upgrading the quality of chairs in our class. Maybe purchasing decorations. Maybe doing some type of technology enhancement in our class. So how do we overcome a lack of budget, a lack of funds? All right? Underneath of point number three, letter A, take an offering. Take an offering. We took up offering with a candy bowl today in junior church. I'm not suggesting use a candy bowl, but I'm saying take an offering. This isn't to go into your pocket. This is to invest back into your class. Plus, watch this. Finish this verse for me. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Have our class members pour our hearts into the class. If they're investing financially, if they're taking time to get their wallet out or use PayPal or whatever the case may be, for during Sunday school hour, hey, they're invested. They're engaged. Take up an offering each week. Allow God to use that time to grow your people. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Hey, taking an offering allows us as leaders to give our people the chance to do something, give cheerfully, that God loves during Sunday school. As a byproduct of taking an offering we can then set up a class budget and have some funds outside of our own or outside of the churches to utilize for the purposes of our Sunday school classes. And let me be clear on this, okay? As a teacher, as a teacher, I need, I need their bodies to be there in class, yes. I need their minds to be engaged, yes. Ultimately, God wants their hearts. The heart is what we're after in the classes, you want their hearts to be engaged. You want to speak to their hearts. You want to minister to people's hearts. That's why you've been asked to volunteer uh, to teach a class. That's why you've offered to work in a Sunday school class or a children's ministry or whatever the case may be. You want to minister to people's hearts. Give them this opportunity. All right? I'm not, I, I want to be clear on that. Uh, it's not something deceitful. It's not bad. There, there's nothing wrong with that. And then the offering will enable the Sunday school teacher to invest back into the people. It might be Bibles, it might be decorations, it might be prizes for a program, a theme that you're running. Um, it might be something towards activities, the next activity that might have some extra costs. Maybe you want to do a bonus visitation gift. Hey, if you come to Sunday, our Sunday school class, we'll give you a loaf of bread, some candy, and a gift card to Starbucks, whatever the case may be. All right? Take an offering. After we take an offering and start our class budget, letter B, have a zero-based budget. Have a zero-based budget. And these are just very practical tips. Uh, you're not going to be bad or shunned if you don't do these, but these will help out, help out your church and help out your class. Underneath of letter B, let me give you the next two, the last two points. When, with a zero-based budget, try to have zero cost to the church itself, to the church budget. Zero cost to the church. And then secondly, I don't know if, I think it was maybe cut off there. I'll give you some time to write this in. Zero cancellations 
due to low interest. Zero cancellations due to low interest. I'm not talking about investing money. I'm talking about activities. I'll get to that. Zero cost to the church and zero cancellations due to low interest. Whether we're buying materials for the classroom, purchasing tickets for a fun class activity, whatever the case may be, always try to have a net zero cost to the church. So we can collect and track the offerings, see how much that we have in our class budget, and then use that towards some initial costs, some initial resources, whatever those may be. Uh, the goal is to have these activities be cost neutral. So let me give you about some bonus tips here. If the activity is a low-cost activity, either to the church or to your class members, for example, a volleyball game, basically free, a scavenger hunt where you're driving around, cost of gas, plus or minus, then have the activity be a low-cost per person or family for your class. Very simple, very straightforward. This isn't always done everywhere, okay? So you ask for a low-suggested donation or whatever the case is that your church runs. However, if the, if the activity is a high cost to the church, maybe it's something where you're doing a bus trip. Maybe you're even combining a few classes together to go to Sight and Sound Theaters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Then that's when you want to suggest a much higher cost, a donation, to offset the cost of the church. Because they have to pay for the bus rental or the driver or whatever the case may be, or reserving the tickets ahead of time, whatever the case may be. Also, when you're doing activities, be mindful. I know I talked about equal opportunity But be mindful of large families, like a spouse plus three or more children, two spouses, three or more children, when charging per person. Okay? Let me go through the math with you here on this. I promise it won't be bad. So let's say the activity costs $8 per person. For a single adult, $8, no problem. You know, they uh, just mean Saturday will be leftovers instead of getting that pizza. That's about it. On the other hand, $8 a person for a family with three children ends up totaling $40, which is a huge chunk of their grocery budget for the week. So to compensate for that, either we could lower the cost or we could arrange child care at the church. By the way, thank you, White Oak, for having nursery here for all of the workshops. Amazing. Amazing. I was telling Pastor Lejeune before, I've been to different conferences that don't have a nursery at all. And these have been here and well-staffed. Thank you all. So you could arrange child care, or you could decide to cap that. Hey, I'll keep it at $8 per person, but I'll cap it at $20 per family. Okay? Those tips should enable us to maintain the zero-based budgets, not just our church and our personal family, but also the budgets of our class members. Okay? Be, be aware of that. Be, con- uh, be, be conscious of that. And then to further stretch our shoestring budget, aim to have zero cancellations of activities just because of low interest. You say, well, you know, I was really expecting a big turnout for this. We were expecting 22, and we had four. Don't cancel it. Don't cancel it. Uh, We can have a memorable time of fellowship, whether it's one or 100 that show up. I remember, let me give you this illustration. Seven years ago, I almost canceled a young adult trip to Oregon Cave in West Virginia because we had three show up and me, four, okay? (laughs) Okay. I was discouraged. I was. I wanted more people to go. I almost canceled it. I thought, man, they're married. It's just me and this guy. Yeah, I don't know. Should we really do that? And what I did instead was I took the the single guy 
And I drove him up separate and let the married couple drive up separate. Boy, that was great. It was like an hour and a half to get there. That was a great bonding time for the married couple, newly married. That was a great time of discipleship and fellowship for me and the young man. Boy, God is so smart. He thought of this way ahead of time. And here I was going to cancel that activity just because of not as many people as I thought should be there. Don't cancel just because of low interest. Now, things happen. If you're planning something outside and it's a lightning storm, don't say, bless God, we're going to have this activity anyway. Tough out the lightning. It's all about the activity. No. But, on the other hand, if you do an outdoor activity, have a backup. Bowling's a, a, a good one, or even if you don't want to do anything active, if this is active as far as bowling, then go eat at a fast food restaurant. Have that as a backup ready in case something happens. That's a great time of fellowship. It's still a class-building time. Uh, the, the guy that went with me on that trip, a new guy to the class, ended up being my Sunday school assistant in children's church for four years. You never know how God is going to use an activity to help someone. So please, don't, don't cancel it just because of low interest. Um, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, so th- I'm just thinking back to some, some different activities that I had. But, but that's it. That's what I've got. So if you're on a shoestring budget, take an offering. Have a zero-based class budget. Zero cost to the church, zero cancellations on the activities. Want to be an effective Sunday school leader, but you kind of have shoestring time? Hey, be people-focused. And if you use a curriculum, make it your own. Make it your own. Try to have the goal to be like Jesus with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Cause hearts to burn. Bring life to the scriptures as you teach it. Make it exciting. If it's exciting to you, It'll be exciting to them. Make it real. Make it live. Explain it to them. Don't just read what's there. And follow up with them however you can. Card, text, visit, whatever the case may be. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. Not enough knowledge? Scared of that? Maybe just not sure about public speaking? Maybe you're not sure that you're saying the right words? Overcome that by realizing, hey, it's not about you. It's about getting people, connecting them, to the Word of God, to to God Himself, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach people what you do know. Don't worry about what you don't know. Teach people what you do know, but continue to learn. Continue to build. Allow others to teach you along the way. Great start right there. Great start. Using these practical ways to overcome our shoestrings. And hey, there may be some there may be some that I didn't mention, okay? Uh, like I said, charm, charisma, whatever looks, whatever the case may be. Use these practical thoughts to overcome those and allow God to use the five loaves and two fishes that he's given you and multiply it. Why? So that we can stay faithful to helping and loving and leading and caring for the members of our Sunday school class. That's what it's about. That's Sunday school on a shoestring. Questions? Questions?